0: This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. We thank you. As we look into your word of life today, Jehovah, please speak to us. Uh, Lord, we have not come to listen to man or to be entertained but we have come to receive from the throne of grace. Therefore, Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through me and touch every heart. And Lord, you will expound the word in every heart, even for clarity and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the end of a thing is the beginning of another. It sounds simple, but it's very profound. So we just ended... The month of March, yes, March, March, Uh March, okay. So we just ended March, and we started April, yesterday. And the end of March not only marked the end of a month, it also marked the end of a quarter. So I don't know what the first quarter of the year has been for you. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it has been, even if it was very good, it is gone. It's not coming back. Amen. So you can look forward to a better quarter. You can look forward to a better year. And I pray over you this morning that God will surpass your expectations. Amen. In this second quarter, God will surpass your expectations Amen. in the name of Jesus. So I say happy new month and happy new quarter to everyone. You know, every time we gather together like this, Uh, it's really a celebration of the greatest love that God has shown for us. The one thing that connects us here today is the love of Christ. Without Jesus, I probably wouldn't have met most of you. Amen. But the love of God is what has uh, brought us together. And that reminds me, uh, Modukbe wrote a book on... uh, uh, What's it called again? Before you tie the knot, the things you need to know, you know, I recommend that book, you know. So we're talking about marriage last weekend, you know. Before you tie the knot, uh, questions you need to ask, you know, because many people enter marriage and they are surprised. Say, he was not like this before. He wasn't. You didn't ask the right questions. Yeah. Amen. You know, so uh, look into that. It's, on, it's available on Amazon, I believe. You know, but let's come back uh, to the sermon now. Love, when you talk about the word love, the word love can be a noun and it can be a verb. When you say God is love, the person of God is love, that's a noun. You're talking about who he is. Amen? And it can also be a verb, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When it's a verb, there is an action that goes with it. Amen. And us humans, we do some crazy things for love. I want you to pause. Everybody, just pause. Forget about, that you're, about the fact that you're in church right now. And I want you to think of the craziest thing you have done for love. You know, I know you by now. Some people are trying to keep a straight face. So you won't read me. You in fact, that's the reason why I'm reading you, that you have a worse story to tell than the rest of us. <laughs> you know, it was, it was reported in various news outlets in 2009. A man whose wife had been moved to work in London rode a bicycle from China to London. It took him two years of all relentless peddling, and cycling. He made it after 2 years. Traveled over 16,000 kilometers. Amen. And he crisscrossed over 20 countries just for the woman he loved. I was going to go check that are they still together? <laughs> after all that trouble. <laughs> you know, and then there's an account of another lady in uh, in Arizona. This happened in 2018. He said it was reported that this lady sent a hundred and fifty nine thousand texts to one guy think about it one hundred and fifty nine thousand texts she had gone out with him on a date a couple of times and she thought she was in love so she started texting him and some of them violated, she was arrested and she, oh yeah for stalking stalking, harassment, just thinking anything you want to call it, call it She was arrested. And when she was behind the bars, she was saying she was surprised that she could be behind bars for love. (laughs) No, that's harassment. That's not love. Uh, That is, uh, that's harassment. And let let me tell you what this guy did for love, this guy, this guy that is talking. You know, (laughs) back in the year 2000, if you can cast your mind back to that time, you know and imagine this guy this guy is in nigeria he's not in america okay in 2000 you know i gathered all of my savings and all the money i had i invested i bought computer you know those big screen you know i bought a computer you know and if you lived in nigeria you know to have a phone line is almost an impossible task you know I use all the connections in this life. My my mom used to work for the telecom service. Anyway, I got me a phone line. And I registered for a dial-up service. Look, you have to understand that I uh, I was quite broke. I was quite broke. I I was a lecturer at the university. You know they didn't pay us much? You know, they pay them good now. Oh, yeah, I'll go back to Nigeria and lecture. They pay them well now. It's just the living conditions that I don't like. But they pay them well now. Anyway, they didn't pay us well back then. Everything I had, I invested. I bought the computer. They signed up. You know, I still remember the company's name, Scannet. You know, paid them monthly subscription and everything. All for love. I like this. That's what they call (laughs) serene. All for love. All for love. But you know the funny thing? It was dial-up connection. It's not Wi-Fi, broadband, internet that you're doing now. So half the time, she's talking, I'm hearing, but she's not hearing me. So she would say to me, honey, I don't know if you can hear me, but if you can hear me, she will read me a poem. Aww. Yeah. And sometimes I'm telling stories. I don't know if she can hear. I say, "Well, if you can hear me, this is my story." The things we do do for love. Thank God for the love of your life. Hallelujah. All of those things we do for love does not compare to the love that God has for us. The love of God for us is everlasting. The love of God for us is the greatest love story that has ever been told. The Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16, it says God loved the world so much. He gave his one and only son so that everyone that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. This is a summary of the entire gospel that we talk about today. God loves you. Can you preach that to your neighbor for me? The love of God for you is unrelenting. The love of God for you is selfless, is sacrificial. God loves you. It's important that we all understand that God does love us. God gave Jesus up for us willingly. We didn't ask. In fact, we were so bad and lost in sin, we didn't even know we needed help. If we knew we needed help, we didn't know the kind of help we needed. If we were to ask for help, we would have asked for the wrong thing. You know, how I know that God, amen, God was relentless in his love is because God did not consider us our state where we are before he sent Jesus to die for us. You know, a lot of times you hear people talk about, and even pastors preach, you know, trying to put guilt trip on people. A lot of what is said is really playing with your psychology, has nothing to do with scripture. Because what the scripture really says is in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Amen. Amen? So, God did not wait for us to clean up, so to speak. You know, maybe you've had people say to others, when you get your acts together, come back and see me. You are not in any state, I can help you right now. Go go get your acts together and come back and I will talk to you. God did not do that. God saw us hopeless. He saw us miserable. And he sent Jesus to come and die For us, God's love for us is real and it is tangible. The love of God for us is not based on merit or any good deeds. God is not expecting you to do anything for Him to love you. He loves you, He loves you regardless of who you are. Amen. What we need clarity on is being in His presence in heaven has certain requirements because God cannot behold iniquity. But as for the love of God on this side of eternity, God loves you. Somebody say, God loves me. you. You don't sound convincing. Say, God loves me. So as we celebrate Easter, I want us to remember that this is the greatest love story that has ever been told. Amen. The love that God has for you and I and commands us to have for one another is a selfless kind of love is a sacrificial kind of love and is an unconditional kind of love. Amen. He did not put any conditions to it for Jesus to come, but he came. Amen. Very quickly, I have 5 points, but I know I cannot cover 5, but I have th- I, I, I'm hoping to cover 3, but if I can't, oh well, we will continue next time. I have certain applications here that I want us to talk about to understand the greatest love that God has presented to humanity. Number one application is the depth of the love of God. The love of God, like I said, is unconditional, is unfailing, is unending, is sacrificial, and it is relentless. The depth of God's love for us is beyond measure. You can't measure it. You can't put it in a box. You can't say this is how far God loves us and then this is the boundary. The love of God for us on this side of eternity is boundless. It's boundless. There's no place you are that the love of God cannot reach you. There's no depth of sin that you have fallen into that the love of God cannot pull you out of. Friends, if you don't remember anything else that is said today, know that God loves you. He loves you so much that he took himself, God. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus came on earth, that was God personified. So God did not send an angel say go fix them, you know He could have done that. Say go help them, go fix them. No, He didn't send the archangel say go fix them up. No, He came Himself. He came Himself and He gave His life. He didn't do it by performing miracles. You know we like to talk about the miracles that Jesus did, but the miracle is not the gospel. Hallelujah. He laid down his life and he resurrected on the third day. That is the gospel. God's love is seen in his creation. In Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, uh, Pastor Joyce was referring to it earlier. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. In the love of God, when he was creating you, he created you perfectly. He created me perfectly. You know, the, the, the example I like to give, you know, is when God was creating me, for example, you, this is a good package, Whenever I look in the mirror, I say, God, you did well. Yes. You did very well. Look at what you have created. <laughs> Hallelujah. He looked at my fat nose and he complemented it with a big size head that will complement that nose. My mouth, my teeth, all the intricate details, the ears. and I, You know, some people's ears is like helicopter blades. It <laughs> he matches. It conform, conforms. Everything conforms well. If I have that, it will be ugly. Yeah. You know, but God knows what is best for each of us. The Bible says he delicately, the delicate parts, he put it together. He made all the delicate parts, the inner parts of my body, it together in my mother's womb. And when I showed up, everybody smiled. Say, so what a cute baby. Oh, he's so handsome. Oh, he's so beautiful. It brought joy to everyone. I want you to understand just the way you are, God, when God sees you, he marvels at his creation. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It's like, oh, you are too this or you are too that. Look at your legs. Your legs are this. Whatever it is they say, say tell the manufacturer. Hallelujah. The next time somebody says you need to go fix something, Say, tell the manufacturer. You know why car manufacturers do recalls? Because there's a defect. So if somebody says something is wrong with you, they are saying there's a defect. Say, go tell the defect to the manufacturer. Did you create yourself? Oh, if I didn't create myself, then the, <laughs> the creator has the responsibility to fix that problem. God's love is not based on our worthiness. Or our actions. I talked about it earlier. Romans 5, verse 8. He says, We were still sinners when Jesus decided to come. It tells us how deep his love for us is. He's not waiting for you and I to do anything. He came anyway. The responsibility that we have is very simple: is to accept the sacrifice, is to accept the gift, is to accept the offer. He already did all of the work. You know, what good is it that I bought a gift, I packaged it, I said, "Nanila, your birthday is coming, or your housewarming is coming, your fiancé is coming, you're getting married, you know, all of this fun stuff. I packaged a gift, I gave to her, and I she leaves it in church. That gift is of no value to her because it's not been received. It's not been accepted. So Jesus has done all of that for you. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to be holy. You didn't have to be righteous. You didn't have to be sanctified. You didn't have to be nothing when he died. But now that he has died for you and resurrected, all you need to do is to accept what he has freely given unto you. Number two, two, application of the great love that God has for us. So if you are wondering what the title is, the title is The Greatest Love. The Greatest Love. Number two application is because of the great love that God has shown us and showered on us, we ought to live in love. You and I ought to live in what? In love. God expects us to live and walk in love because of the great love he has shown to us. How can I live in love, in the love of Christ? Thank you for asking that very good question. Number one way I can live in the love of Christ is by loving God with all of my heart. Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. The Bible says, amen, they ask Jesus. Said in the previous verse, they asked Jesus, What's the greatest commandment? Said, well, the first one is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, one of the things I want you to understand whenever you're reading the Bible is the Bible does not have space holder words. You know, if it's not, it could say, love the Lord with your soul, your heart, and your mind. But each time, can you please uh, leave the scripture up? Each time it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What is that saying? It means God must be number one priority in your life. Amen? In decision making, God must be number one priority in your life. In who you marry, God must be number one priority in your life. In your job, God must be number one priority in your life. You know, with a job, it's easy for most of us. We make decisions based on pain. Yes? Okay. This one pays this much, this one pays this little. I think the higher he said, no-brainer. <laughs> Take the bigger paying job. <laughs> You know, but we must put God first. You must seek the face of the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? Amen. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man. He said, but the end thereof is what? Say it loud now. You know, people are beginning, to, you are beginning to scare me. We're talking of 20th year anniversary. If we don't know simple scripture, I'm afraid. Destruction. The end thereof is destruction. Praise the Lord. So love God with everything. We're talking about living in love. Living in love, number two, is love your neighbors as yourself. Love your neighbor, what? As yourselves. In the same chapter, verse 39, it says a second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. If you have this in the red-lettered Bible, you will see it in red. You know what that means? These are the words of Jesus. This is not a prophet prophet that is speaking to you. This is God himself giving you and I instruction. Love your neighbors. Who is your neighbor? Remember that story Jesus told, The, 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 the good Samaritan story. Amen? That man was robbed, left to die by the roadside. The choir people came and they said, Oh, we have choir practice. I can't help you. Sorry. The pastor came and said, well, I have to preach a sermon." Sorry. You know, the deacon came and said, I'm serving today. Sorry. They all left him to die. Except for this Samaritan, you know. And what makes it so significant is because Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along very well. Amen. So it was an irony that it was a Samaritan that stopped to help him. Amen. So... They ask the question, so who is my neighbor? Anybody you can help is your neighbor. Amen? Anybody you can elevate. Anybody you can assist. Anybody that you can take from down there and take them up here where God wants them to be. That is your neighbor. That's your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will not harm your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will not gossip about your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will not talk about them bad, behind their back. At least if you are going to talk bad, say it to their face. You are ugly. Your nose is fat. Your head is big. Say it to their face. Then they can give you the right kind of answer. Are you talking to me? I will show you who am I. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen? Show kindness. Show compassion. Respect everyone that you come along, that come along your way. Amen? That is the love of Christ. That's the love of Christ. Praise Jesus. How do I live in love? Forgive. Forgive. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is a powerful expression of love. Amen? A good example is daddy and mommy in Rewole. You go ask them, has daddy ever offended mommy? <laughs> she will tell you uncountable times. I won't ask you about mommy offending daddy. daddy. Has... <laughs> he said there is God. He said there is God. Oh, that's what he said. You know? Ask daddy, has mommy ever offended him? A lot of times. But what sustains marriage is the ability to forgive, is the ability to mend fences, is the ability to say, You did that, it was wrong, but I love you, so I forgive you. In the church, you know, any church you attend, can I tell you this real quick? Any church you attend will be a good church until you get involved. Any church, if you are just, I mean, just sit at the corner by the door and once they say the grace, check out. That church will remain good to you because you are not interacting. Until you begin to do life with people, then you will find out that, oh, I've been hurt. Somebody did this. Somebody stepped on my toes. It is natural, it is common, wherever human interaction is, that offenses will surely come. But you be the bigger person. You be the one that understands the love of God that is so great that, in spite of all that you have done, God still loves you. He still gave his life for you. Extend that grace to somebody else. I certainly don't want God to play the video of my past to you. Oh, I, I, I will, whatever I can do to make sure God does it. I will do it. Say, you want me to die? I will die. I will die for you, Lord. Just don't show them. (laughs) Because I have a past that is ugly that I myself don't like. That's why I accepted the love of Christ for my life. Amen? That's the part where you should clap and say, at least I'm honest. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But that's the truth. Many of us cannot afford for God to show the video of our past. Somebody say, Pastor, you are going too far. I don't want God to show the video of my this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. But the point I'm making here is forgive. Forgive. Unforgiveness is a big issue in the body of Christ. You know, you hear people say things like, we will settle when we get to heaven. You will not settle anything in heaven. I- I'm going to tell you that right now. You know, there will be no unforgiveness in heaven. You will not enter heaven and say, we didn't settle. Okay, now let's settle. You will not be there. It's too late. It's, too late. it's never going to happen. Amen. The Bible says, deal with every root of bitterness. Cast them out. Deal with it. Don't go around with bitterness, angry at people, and looking at people and say, see what he did to me. Do you know when you're upset with somebody? It's double jeopardy. It really is. It's double jeopardy. So they have wronged you. They did whatever they have done to you, so bad, so terrible, that now you can't forgive them. Right? You can be having fun in a room. Once they come in, everything changes for you. Now they just stabbed you again. So forgive. Do you know the Greek word that is translated forgive in the Bible means to let go? The reason that thing still has a hold on you is because you are still holding on to it. He did this. She did that. She did it to me. And I'm so angry. I don't know why she did that after all that I've done for them. God never speaks to us like that. When was the last time God said, after all I did for you, you wouldn't pay tithe? <laughs> A lot of people in church don't pay tithe, and God has not struck them dead. <coughs> oh, struck, stricken, Struck? strike, struck, he didn't strike, he's not struck them dead. So I was right the first time, thank you. You know, I've told you, English is not my first language. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't you, somebody was saying it. Anyway, but you, you, you do get what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? So God is patient with us. God is merciful to us. God is kind to us. Why do you think he does all of those things? He's doing those things to us so we can do it to each other. Be gracious. Be kind. Be compassionate. That is how I live in love. To live in love means to forgive. To live in love means to, uh, uh, to show kindness, means to show compassion, means to show forgiveness. To live in love, we're just going to take two. Uh, let me finish this and then we'll wrap this up. To live in love also means to serve others. Amen. Uh, How many of you are familiar with the Pareto law, Pareto principle? Okay. My Agile coaches should know this one. Pareto principle is not an Agile thing, but it's something that is referenced in Agile. Pareto said 20% of the people will carry the burden of 80% of the people. 20%, the serious problem that you're having is as a result of 20%. It's not as a result of, no, 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 no. If you can solve that 20%, you will solve 80% of the problem. Pareto principle. Praise the Lord. The same is also true in the church. 20% of the people are serving and bearing the burden of the 80% that is remaining. When we live in love, we serve others. Amen. Remember Jesus in John chapter 13. He got water. They didn't fetch the water for him. He got water. He got a towel. He knelt down and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. What do you think he was doing? He was teaching them a principle. He was showing them an example. They were busy asking, who is the greatest among us? Who will be the greatest? Let me sit on your right hand. Let me sit on your left hand. But he knelt down. It takes humility to kneel down. He knelt down, washed their feet, and took a towel and dried their feet. To love is to serve. Maybe you haven't been serving. I want to encourage you. If you say the love of God in me is in me, the love of Christ is in me, one of the ways we see the love of God expressed in an individual's life is through service. Serve others as Christ served us. Jesus modeled servant leadership for us and caused us to follow in his footsteps. Share love. Share love. How do I live in love? Share love. The love of God that is shared abroad in our hearts, let's share with others. Amen? Let's tell others about the gospel. That's evangelism. Because God has saved you. You know, the people that talk about the church negatively is because we have not represented God positively. It's incredible for me that anybody would think Christianity is holier than thou. When Bible clearly tells us that Christ died for us while we were still sinners, that is great grace. That is amazing grace. That is mercy. That is compassion. In spite of sin, he died for us. That is what he did. And he says, God did it Therefore, no man can boast, Ephesians chapter 2. Because it is the work of God, he said, no man can boast. So uh, you and I should go about telling others that, you know, I was such a terrible thing in my life, you know. But Jesus took me. He cleaned me up. He washed me. He made me whole. That is why I can speak the way I speak today. That is why I am the way I am today. Why? Because Jesus did it all. Amen? Amen. He did it all. You did nothing. Somebody say, I did nothing. He did everything. He did everything. Did you die? No. By typology. So when we are buried in the water, he's like dying like Jesus died, and then we arise with him, you know. But he died physically. He was beaten. He was smitten. But he did it anyway. He knew what was coming, and because he loved you and I so much, he knew exactly what was coming. But he did it anyway. How do I know this? In the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest him, you know prior to that he knelt he was praying he was sweating the prayer was so intense the bible says his sweat was drops of blood some capillaries were busting as he was praying it was an intense prayer why because he knew what was coming and that's why he asked lord father if this cup can pass over me but not my will your will they don't. So he knew what he was about to get into, but because he loved us so much, he saw you in the future, he saw me in the future, and he said, you are worth it, and I am worth it. That is the message that we ought to share. That is the gospel. It's not, if you don't accept, you will go to hell. As true as that may be, but that's not going to cause anybody to repent. Please rise to your We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.